Chicago. This is your new morning routine. Cap and J-Hood. Follow Cap J-Hood on Twitter and Instagram. Watch the show on Twitch. Follow ESPN 1000 Chicago. Stream the show on the ESPN Chicago app on ESPN 1000. And now on FM at 100.3 HD2. Now, 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 on Chicago's Home for Sports. David Kaplan and Jonathan Hood. Good morning, everyone. Into a tight window, couldn't get it to Metcalf, though. Changes direction, sends it to the near side, and Christian McCaffrey, steady hands to get it. Season-high 41 points and a season-high 505 yards. So they'll settle in like the rest of us and see who's coming out here to Santa Clara next weekend. Meanwhile, Jacksonville can set their sights likely on Kansas City. Here we go for the win. Got it, but there's a flag down. There's a flag down as everybody's running out onto the field, but there's a penalty marker. And they call it on the defense. Unbelievable. That, that is unbelievable. Right there, Tyreek Hill in the slot. Rushing for Thompson. Has to run away from the pressure. Throws. Incomplete. Broken up by Elam. They were trying to get it to the tight end, Gasicki. And Buffalo takes over on downs. Fourth and eight. Game on the line. Cousins. Hawkinson. He not gonna get there, and the Giants will take over. Season on the line, fourth and twenty. Can Tyler Huntley do it? Four-man rush, retreating, puts it up for grabs, and it is the fucking interest. They almost had it. He couldn't bring it in, and the Bengals survive. Wow! Here's one off the right hand of Jones, incomplete, and the Buccaneers will turn it over on downs. He was outstanding as we watched Tom Brady come out to shake hands and find Dak Prescott. If, in fact, this is it for Tom Brady, all I can say on behalf of all football fans is thank you and appreciate the memories. What a career. What a weekend of football. And, oh, God, welcome into the Captain Jay Hood Morning Show. Here on ESPN 1000, streaming on the ESPN Chicago app. With David Kaplan, Jonathan Hood with you, we have got Shay. We got Johnny the Beat Man, we got Charlie, we got you for a three-hour ride here with open phone lines for you. 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our telephone number. Good morning, Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash ESPN 1000 Chicago. Thanks so much for keeping the conversation going and watching all of our shows. Brought to you by Connie's Pizza and Cap. Boy, you talk about being locked in Saturday, Sunday, Monday night. Nothing like playoff football. Everyone's watching it in so many different storylines we saw on Super Wildcard Weekend. I thought the weekend was outstanding. I know we had the discussion on Friday. Is it overrated this Super Wildcard Weekend? The games aren't going to be any good, Cap. They're going to be blots. Last night, aside, the rest of the weekend was spectacular football. It was filled with drama. Young quarterbacks. Dak Prescott at 29 is the oldest quarterback left in the NFL playoffs. So it is a young man's game going forward. The big question is, how far does our team, our Bears, have to go to get in that mix? 
you can't help but to sit there wherever you're watching at your bar, your you know your man cave, your she shed, wherever you're watching the game. You can't help but to think about the Bears if you're a Chicago Bears fan because you're thinking, boy, what if, right? The big, the two biggest words in entertainment, what if. What if the Bears were in that situation, in the postseason? We don't see it very often around these parts, Cap, but when we do see the Bears in that spotlight, in that realm, it is fun because everyone's watching. People that usually don't watch football, people that usually don't watch the Chicago Bears are watching because the Bears would be in the playoffs. I couldn't help but to think a couple of teams, one in the NFC, uh, in particular with the Giants, right? So the Bears did beat the Giants in the regular season, and the Giants won their game against the Vikings 31-24. to What? I'm sorry. What, what, did we lose to the Giants? The, the, wait. The, the, we, played, we played them there. Yeah. The Giants. Giants there. and the Correct. Jets. Correct. They lost both. to both of them, right? Correct. Didn't have very many wins this past season. I was just thinking about, you know, Daniel Jones. I'll use him as an example, right? He was amazing. So, so what do you always, always, always say? You always say, you know, when you have young talent, you just don't give up on it. You try to manifest it. You try to mold and shape it as much as possible. Daniel Jones was dead in he New was. York. He, he was, was dead. They were ready. Oh, we got Dable. Let's move on. They tried to sign our guy, Mitch. Think about this. Right. And then all of a sudden, he's able to, by the way, Eddie from the North Side and many others that don't think that you can run with the football, here's a guy that doesn't really run, but he did what he could to try to help the team win by utilizing his legs and utilizing the running game to be able to beat the Minnesota Vikings. But just a team like the Giants or the team like the Jaguars, young team, same draft, right? Here's Trevor Lawrence in the same draft as Justin Fields. We're wondering, when will the Jaguars be able to take that next step? And here they are. They're able to get in the playoffs and win. Those two teams resonate with me a lot that we saw the last few days. We, the question is how far it'll take us to get there. And you watch a guy like Daniel Jones that you mentioned. He doesn't run as much as Justin. He has wheels. Yes. We've seen him use those wheels. Mm-hmm. It's not like Tom Brady trying to run or Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow doesn't run a lot. Daniel Jones with great coaching. Didn't have a great wide receiver room. Got solid offensive line play and has a superstar at running back. Mm -hmm. Not advocating you go out and spend the first pick on a running back. But he has impacted, now that Saquon's healthy, he has impacted what they're able to do. you got to be so focused on stopping him. Daniel Jones, a perfect foil to play off of him like that. Mm -hmm. Can we do some of those things? Because our quarterback... Obviously, is mobile, has a big arm. We got to surround him with pieces. I guess the whole point I'm trying to make to you is like the running game still matters in the National Football League. If you can't run the ball, you cannot win. Yeah. Period. I mean, there's nothing like a nice vertical passing game. It always helps. It Not only the quarterback helps, not only the wide receiver helps, not only tight end helps, but also the officials help you too. If you, need, if you have problems going down the field, have some pass interference calls. It'll, the officials will help you get down the field. That's one thing. But I just think that when I look at Justin Fields and I think about the Bears, I think, man, if it, only if the Bears had several weapons at wide receiver. Tight end, I think, is solidified, at least for me. I like Cole Komet. I think that he gets a, more than a passing grade this I'd like past season. i like a second one. I'd sure. like another one. You can get, you can get one. That's a Jesper Horstead out there for you. No, a little higher oh, level that, as a receiver. Oh, something better. Because Cole's an outstanding blocker. Mm-hmm. I think he had a really good year. And by the way, just so you realize this, under Brian Dable, 
uh, Daniel Jones ran the ball double the number of times as he did a year ago under Joe Judge. Mm Mm-hmm. 120 carries. He had 708 yards. So he used his legs a lot more this year than he ever had in the past. It's commonplace in the National Football League. As much as I'd like for Justin to cut down on some of those runs, I think they will with talent, with the offensive line. I think it will be cut down. I won't say significantly, but some. I think as we move forward throughout his career, he won't have to be able to run all over the field. Um, but I, I would just say that Daniel Jones, a guy here that can run, yes, not necessarily the fastest quarterback out there, but just knowing that if Minnesota's not going to stop it, you continue to run your quarterback. That's exactly what he did. It helped the, the Giants win that game. Did you ever think, looking at a guy, he is, Daniel Jones, looking at a guy like that under the right coaching, mm-hmm. he could take the step and you go, whoa, we got to pay that dude. Because they're going to have to pay him. Sure. Sure, and rightfully so, Cap, because you'd rather pay for something that you know versus something that you don't. You'd rather do it that way. But what about your, what about your guy, Trevor Lawrence, though? I love Trevor Be- Lawrence. Because within that, within that draft, you had a choice if you're the Jaguars. You said, you know what, we're not going to outdumb the room. We're going to take Clemson's own Trevor Lawrence. But you wonder whether or not that would ever manifest itself. It never was going to happen under Urban Meyer. Even though Urban Meyer is a good coach, it's just that all the stuff around that Toxic. Jaguars team wasn't not very good. Toxic. So what's the difference now? Now, here's a guy in, in Jacksonville's Trevor Lawrence that gave it up like a Pez dispenser. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it, it, so the Jaguars led the third largest comeback in NFL history and the fifth largest overall in their 31-30 victory against the Chargers. But see, even though we liked what we saw in the second half from the, from the Jaguars, that's that's the same Trevor Lawrence that threw four interceptions in the first half. Yeah, now the first one, well, the first one was tipped off of somebody's helmet, I think. But he had a couple of the four. Of the four, at least two of them were like, "What are you looking at?" Cap in the in the record book, it goes down as four interceptions. True, it came off his hand. Now, he, I'm not saying he's a finished product, but that's a step in the right direction, which I love to see for Justin as well. You're in the playoffs, and your team was able to overcome four interceptions. You, you come back to win that ball game. So, I mean, again, a, a good step, and I couldn't help but to think, boy, what if? When, when can the Bears be in that same scenario? Let me, ask you, let me ask you this question. Yes, Coach Moore, the playoffs. Shay, Jonathan, Johnny the Beatman, Charlie, what is Brian Dable doing that Matt Nagy didn't do in his first year? Matt Nagy was the NFL coach of the year. They went 12-4. and four. We were having fun with Santa's sleigh and all these other fun plays, and the players are going, man, the culture up here is so great. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, we, we hit a home run. Ryan Pace hit a home run getting Matt Nagy. Four years later, we're like, get out! Yeah. All of us. Mm-hmm. So... What makes Brian Dable to this point, maybe four years from now it'll be different, what makes Brian Dable to this point in one year any different than Matt Nagy was at the end of 2018? Well, clearly there is a culture that is different about the Giants than it was under Joe Judge. Mm-hmm. Um, that You have a healthy Saquon Barkley. Mm-hmm. If Joe Judge all the way throughout his tenure had a healthy Saquon Barkley, is it a different scenario? Are the Giants still in this situation? Because that's a big factor, too. He got injured here. He did. Barkley. Yep. At Chicago. He did. Right on the sideline toward the ACL. 
if he's never injured, is Joe Judge still the coach there? Maybe. I think so. He's that good a player. I think so. Now, I'm not advocating that you take a running back. Would they take him at number two? Mm-hmm. But he's an amazing football player. He's a difference-making player. Yes. Also this, something that we don't really talk about enough, players see through your BS. Mm-hmm. If you're Joe Judge and you're a first-year head coach, your first time being a head coach, and you come from the Belichick system and you're trying to be Belichick, uh, players see that. Mm-hmm. Like, are you really being yourself or are you trying to be the guy that you just left? Which is also the problem with Matt Patricia, trying to be someone that you're not. Correct. You might have been under someone's tree. It doesn't necessarily have to be that person. Correct. You could take bits of everything that you've learned and then add it to your personality. But it's still got to be you, authentically you. I think that Joe Judge, as tough as he was and not to battery off my shoulder and very direct, cool. That's what Belichick was. But who are you? Special, you have, special you have teams to guy? win to prove to do that. Special teams guy, who are you? Right. You, so even in the NFL, not the NBA, but also in the NFL, You've got to be able to garner respect. You give respect, you get respect for being yourself, whoever you are. So answer that question. How is Brian Dave? Boy, there people want him for coach of the year. They're ready to build a statue at a giant stadium. And how is he any different than the guy we had in 2018? The end of the 18th era, boy, if Mitch could take the next step, mm-hmm. this thing's going to be built and ready to go. Funny and thing, not, not so much. Funny thing about coaches, as you well know, some can unlock the mystery of players that are underachieving. Mm-hmm. So again, Daniel Jones was out the door, like, oh, it's an overreach by Gettleman. Oh my God! And this they guy. did not pick up his option, correct? That's correct. Okay, so they didn't pick up his option, so he's a free agent. Now they got to make a decision: Do we give this guy all that money? Do we tag him for forty some million dollars a year? Well, a year answer- ago, people were like, "What?" Well, the answer is yes. In this climate, absolutely. Right. What you have versus what you don't. I think I'm going to have what I have. And then instead of starting over, think about it. So if you're one of those teams thinking, I need to trade up with the Chicago, with Chicago mm-hmm. because C.J. Stroud came out yesterday, Bryce Young is in the draft, Will Levis is in the draft. If you evaluate all of them, do you go, I got to give them how many draft picks and what player? I'll just sign Daniel Jones. It's the price. It's the price of poker. But I'd rather stick with okay, boy. He's developed quicker than I thought. We'll have to give him the money. It's your money. Big deal. You you ride with what you have. You're nine seven and one, and you want a playoff game. That says a lot for that franchise. No question. Because we we bitch about the Bears and rightfully so because we're Bears fans. Ask Giants fans what it's been like. How, how, the drought that they've been on under the Tishes and the Maros. Just like us. Not great. Awful. Not great. Correct. So, Shay, let's open the phone lines. A couple of questions that Cap and I want to talk to you about. 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our telephone number. First of all, uh, you watch football like Cap and I watch football. You saw the games, or at least you know the score. We want to find out from you what was the, the best team that you saw Saturday, Sunday, Monday. What was the best team that you saw for Wild Card Weekend? That's number one. Number two, when we talk about the Jaguars and the Giants, are the Jags and Giants proving us wrong about the future of the Bears? Jags got to the playoffs and won a game. Giants got to the playoffs and won a game. So are the Jags and Giants proving us wrong about the future of the Chicago Bears? And also, what was the best team that you saw uh, either Saturday, Sunday, or Monday in the NFL playoffs? Cap and I will take your phone calls coming up. On the right end, it's the Cap and J. Hood Morning Show.
and Jay Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Good morning and welcome into the Cap and Jay Hood Morning Show on ESPN 1000 and also we're streaming on the ESPN Chicago app along with David Kaplan, Jonathan Hood with you. Good morning, Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash ESPN 1000 Chicago. We're brought to you by Connie's Pizza. Thanks for watching the show and keeping the conversation going. Shout out No Shots brought to you by... Debbie Club Hawthorne and the Club Hawthorne Mobile Wagering. Take that. Secretariat right on in, baby. I don't think uh, Secretariat knows whether or not uh, that is true. Is it true? It's true. It's true. Shay, is that true? I was talking to the great Dakota Schultz, and he is the gentleman that runs the Club Hawthorne partnership. Shay? Saw him Friday at the appearance I did, and he goes, hey, man, yeah, we're back. We're not giving up shot or no shot. No chance. How about that? Shay Norley. Shay? Shay, good morning. All right. Well, uh, let's get started with shot or no shot. Wild card weekend. Saw some quarterbacks without much pedigree advance to the divisional round. Daniel Jones led the Giants over the Vikings. Trevor Lawrence, who, if you remember, early in the year was left for dead after a really bad slump, eliminated the Chargers and Justin Herbert. Brock Purdy sent home the Seahawks. And a guy who everybody said was terrible and much maligned because he led the league in interceptions since coming back from injury. Dak Prescott may have walked off Tom Brady's career. This leaves Dak as the oldest quarterback left in the playoffs at 29. Shot or no shot, this should ease concerns about the Bears' ability to build a winner around Justin Fields. That's a shot. That's a shot, absolutely. Because we have the right guy at quarterback. He's not a running back. Go back and watch what he did at Ohio State. He could pass. Just Put an iron gate, as you like to call it, in front of him and get him a couple receivers that can make some plays and get separation. Please. That's a shot. Absolutely. I just I love that stat about Dak Prescott being the, the elder statesman amongst the quarterbacks that's left. It just shows you how healthy this league is with quarterback play cap. Yeah. That's what I mean. I, I mean, I think you and I talked about this last week, and it's going to be a theme here throughout the playoffs and in the offseason. This is why I feel so good about Justin Fields, because he's among those young quarterbacks that are budding, that are going to be difference makers for a team, this Chicago Bears team. I like that. And, like, if Dak Prescott's the oldest that you have, and I know there's still question marks about Dak, but not last night against Tampa, I I do take solace in the fact that Justin Fields and the Bears are going to get better with him at, at the helm at the quarterback position. But just hold him up, man. Help him out. That's what I'm looking at. By the way. You mentioned Dak Prescott, who was really good yesterday. Yeah. That fake he did end around on the left side for the touchdown. Mm-hmm. Did a great job hiding the ball on his hip. Did you see him and Mike McCarthy embracing and dancing in the locker room? Yes. I guess reports of Mike McCarthy's demise were a little premature. I just like that McCarthy didn't look so stiff. I'm just glad that, you know, usually it's just stoic on the sideline, worried. That's what he, he looks like. He was having a good time last good night. For good, him. For, good for him, man. You know what? Listen. It's been a long time since the Cowboys won a playoff game, uh, on the road in particular. Correct. Good for them. Shay. All right, I want to ask about Eberflus, because a lot of people have called in and kind of said Eberflus can hang his hat on the Bears' ability to make halftime adjustments. Well, last night on the Manning cast during that awful Monday night football game, Peyton Manning talked about halftime adjustments. Listen to this. Coming out of halftime, all those halftime adjustments, it really paid off right there that I don't know about you. I don't think I ever made a halftime adjustment in my entire 18-year career. I think it's the biggest myth in football, the halftime adjustments, right? 
You go in, yeah, but, you, eat, you use the restroom, you eat a couple of oranges, and then the head coach says, all right, let's go. Yeah, no question. I mean, you're in there for like three minutes. Yeah, so. There's no time. Shot or no shot, halftime adjustments are a myth. Uh, if he says they are, I'm all in with Peyton Manning. I've had other people who played say, dude, you guys in the media, I heard you on halftime adjustments because I was blasting Neggy one day. And a player said to me, dude, I was in the bathroom the entire b- between uh, first and second half. We don't get in there and go, all right, let's change this coverage. It goes, we make adjustments on the sideline while the game's going on. There's no halftime adjustments. Yeah, that's a no shot. And first of all, coming from those two, they're Hall of Famers. What are you going to say? What are you going to say to Eli Manning and Peyton Manning as far as adjustments? You already have the game plan. You know what you have to do to attack the defense. So those two, I rule their opinion out when it comes to that because for adjustments for those two, yeah, probably not. But the idea that we haven't seen something different from a team from one half to the other, of course we've seen that. Now you can call that adjustments or being able to go deeper into the playbook, say, hey, this is something we hadn't done the first half. Let's try this in the second half. We've seen that in games. So uh, there there are halftime adjustments, not to those two, obviously, because they know what they need to do as a quarterback. But as far as line play, as far as, as making an adjustment, as far as your attack, it's all part of the playbook. It might be something you see that in the first half that you didn't see in the second half. So that's a no shot. I feel like I've heard both sides of this, too, where Peyton says you just don't have time. I've heard players talk about having abridged meetings with their units at halftime and the coaching staffs. It may not be the adjustment may not even be with the players as much as it is the coach, the coaches themselves. Like, hey, here's something that we practice. How come we're not using this? And the idea that they don't have it. Ask Cap if there are any adjustments. Never mind about what those two say. You ever have adjustments from one half to the other in basketball? What Shay just said, we would have the four coaches or five coaches, now that you're like 18 on a staff. Yes. <laughs> in basketball, yeah. they would all, we would get together. Hey, man, we should, let's try, do this with our press. Instead of going one, two, two, let's try this diamond thing that we put in it. Let's see what that does. But the players, yeah, that motion. The players themselves, they go to the bathroom. They eat orange slice. He's exactly right. They don't have a. You don't get back up on the chalkboard and go, okay, guys, we're going to do this, this. Let's make this. That doesn't happen. But the coaches, absolutely, Shay. Very good point. I think. I think that that's what happens, Shay. I think. Yeah. But for those two, no, because they're Hall of Famers. But I believe that there are adjustments from one to the other. And if you're doing, say, for instance, you run the football and you can't run it effectively, and you're still doing it in the third and fourth quarter. Okay, so you didn't make the adjustment. In, within one from one half to the other, that's ridiculous. So I think there are adjustments. And the point I was just going to make is, I think you can make the point that halftime adjustments are overrated because if you're a good coaching staff and a good team with the tablets and everything, you should be adjusting constantly. You should constantly be seeing what's working, what's not, and fixing that in real time. But I, I don't know. I, I feel like Peyton's misleading a little bit here. I think it's more than just oranges and a, and a poop. You better, you better be, you know, speak softly when you talk about a halftime adjustments. And Obradovich will come after you. Yes. If there was no halftime adjustments. That's what he would do. <laughs> so you better be exactly careful. Exactly what he would do. I, I, OB, I, 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 I agree there should have been more adjustments. Why are we not running? He'll come after you. He will. Be careful. And beat you. <laughs> At 82. <laughs> Shame.
All right, we talked about this a little bit in the first hour, available in the podcast on the ESPN Chicago app. The Chargers lost their first playoff game with Justin Herbert on the road in Jacksonville on Saturday night. The Chargers held a 27-0 lead after turning over Trevor Lawrence four times in the first half, only to be outscored 31-3 in the second half and lose the game. They also became the first team in NFL history to lose a playoff game with a plus-five turnover differential. Shot or no shot? This is the most embarrassing playoff loss ever. It's the one I can remember. I mean, that's a shot for me. Now that Houston Oiler game was that regular? That was playoffs, wasn't it? That Houston Oiler game Bills? was a playoff game. Bills, the one where Frank Reich brought him back. Yeah, it was thirty-eight to three, right? Yeah. So that's so it's that it's the Patriots Atlanta Falcons playoffs. The Super Bowl still the playoffs? Are they not? Are the playoffs the Super Bowl? I was actually wondering that while yeah. I was writing this. <laughs> it's like, because that, I mean, that's right on the top of the list for me. It's postseason. You said playoffs, but it's still postseason for me. The Patriots beating Atlanta, Oilers, Bills, right? Okay, so that, right? that game you're talking about. Yeah. It's called The Comeback, has its own Wikipedia page. Mm-hmm. January 3, 1993, playoffs. The Buffalo Bills behind Frank Reich overcame a 35 to 3 deficit. To defeat the visiting Oilers 41-38 in overtime. So that's a shot. That, that, like, that, well, I mean, I guess for his question is, is it the most embarrassing? No, it's a no shot. But Biggest comeback. That was the biggest comeback in NFL postseason history. Second biggest overall other than this year's Vikings comeback over the Colts. Hey, Bosa, keep your helmet on too. Idiot. You bozo. Like what a moron! I don't know. Like it might not be the most embarrassing loss ever. Have you ever seen a dumber team in the second half of a game? Well, I mean, just well, everything just they Joey did Bosa. was just stupid. Just Joey Bosa, what are you doing? The- and then he threw the helmet. You see when he slammed it, Brandon Staley ran on the field quickly to pick it up so they wouldn't get a penalty, which they did. Yes, and handed it to him, and then Bosa took it and threw it. Okay, <laughs> and that's a penalty. Moron. Moron. Hey, do you see what's going on out there? So you're just going to melt down. You're better than that, man. That's what they did. You're be- but you're better than that. Right. One of his teammates, another lineman, defensive line, turning, goes, what are you doing? Just looking at him. Charlie says, I don't think he is. What's funny, too, <laughs> if, you just, if you just wait, like, four extra yards to throw your helmet, no problem. He just had to do it when he did it. Somebody in our Twitch chat also brought up, if you remember, when Houston played Kansas City a few years ago, and Houston had a 24 nothing lead in the first quarter. They were down 27-24 at halftime. Correct. Yes, yes. Isn't that Thank the one you. where he tried a fake punt? believe so because yes. and everyone what are you doing he's like because yes. we're, that 24 is not going to be enough yes yes Just have, that's why staley should be considered to move on someplace else just that whole non the, the melting down the defense i blame and then bosa just nonsense man jaguars hey they earned the victory but i think that the Chargers also gave it to them as well that's what i believe Shay. All right, we got to talk about Minnesota. Guess who was right, Hoodie? The Vikings welcomed Daniel Jones and the Giants to their home as a three-point favorite just to get bounced in their own house. And Kirk Cousins, with arguably the dumbest play of the weekend, threw a three-yard check down on fourth and eight. Shot or no shot, the Vikings were frauds the whole time. I was wrong. That's a shot. 
I mean, they wrong. they lost at home in a playoff game, so it's got to be a shot. Now, you don't win 13 games by being a lousy football team. Yes, everything went their way, one-score games, I think 7-0. and That said, I thought Courtney Cronin did an awesome breakdown of the last play. Mm-hmm. She said, and I think she's right, it was not the check down. Now, again, the check down's dumb because you got no chance. But if you go back and watch, look at Courtney's Twitter, she has the X and O diagram in motion. There's nobody open. Nobody. Like the play design. That's what her problem was. The play design more than putting it all on Kirk Cousins. Again, just throw it up. If it gets picked off, who cares? The game's over. But the play design, go look. Justin Jefferson, zero chance he can get the ball there. K.J. Osborne, you'd have had to throw it down and he'd have to win a jump ball. That was your only possible hope. Um, yeah, well, as I said, Shay, Shay was right the entire time. Um, could the NFC North be more open than we thought? We'll talk about the Vikings and take a look at the North now that there are no teams being represented in the playoffs in the NFC North. We'll talk about it coming up next. Captain Jay Hood, weekday mornings at 7. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Twitch at ESPN 1000 Chicago. Cap and Jay Hood are back on Chicago's Home for Sports. ESPN Chicago. Diversity six on Johnson and second. And where will be? Hello. Football on ESPN 1000. Hello, Bert. Albert Breer. Hey, Bert. Senior NFL writer for SI.com joins Cap and Jay Hood. Bert's it. What? You're it, Bert. On ESPN 1000. What do you mean I'm it? We see, that's the game. I just tagged you, and you're it until you tag somebody else. Albert Breer. No, no, I'm not playing a game. I'm reading, Ernie, and I'm not it. Okay. On Chicago's Home for Sports. What bird is it? It's now time for Albert Breer from Monday Morning Quarterback at SI.com. With us here on Cap and Jay Hood on ESPN 1000. Albert, I don't blame you, man. Watching Dallas-Tampa. I got a little tired, too, especially in that second half. Yeah, that was a uh, – I, I, you know, you sort of think, like, whenever Brady's on the field that all of a sudden he's going to put his foot in the ground and turn it into a completely different game. And, you know, you're going to look up 20 minutes later and all of a sudden the Bucks are going to be ahead. But, yeah, I, I, I guess this, this year just sort of felt like the year maybe he didn't have the team around him to do that. You know, a lot of guys – on that team, it felt like they kind of got all all, all got old at once, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, so it absolutely sets up an interesting few weeks here um, for Brady, his future, the landscape of the NFL, really, um, you know, and, and what he decides to do. So let me talk to you about the state of the playoffs today. We saw Jacksonville wage this historic comeback. We see the Vikings with this historic home loss. So... What did we learn over the weekend? I think it's a week-to-week <laughs> league, and things are so different. Yeah. Like, Buffalo was terrible. I fully expect them to win convincingly this weekend. I, but, I mean, Cincinnati, I think, has got another gear in them, too. 
you know, Probably. and I mean, I, I think the only team you walk away being like, wow, that team's a real contender, um, or that team looks like, I mean, I, there are other real contenders, but like the team that like looked like a juggernaut out there over the weekend with San Francisco, and they're the one with the seventh round rookie starting a quarterback, and you know, maybe this is Tom Brady in 2001, um, but you assume at some point maybe that's going to bite them. I don't know, you know. Um, so I, I think it's, I think it's sort of indicative of how worn out teams are, how long the season is, um, you know, how they keep stuffing more and more football into the year, and um, you know, I think this is sort of what you get. You know, you get backup quarterbacks starting all over the place. You know, you get teams that are beat up. Um, and I think you do get some level of sloppy football. I will say this, too. The one thing that stuck out to me about the weekend was the two sort of unexpected close games, right? Like the Miami-Buffalo game and Cincinnati-Baltimore game. I think we both sort of expected Buffalo and Cincinnati to make statements, and they didn't. I think it's important to recognize that those are division games, too, you know? Mm-hmm. And so those take on a little bit different of a, dy- a little bit of a different dynamic. So it wouldn't be shocking to me if, that wasn't maybe the version of the Bengals and Bills we see this weekend. So, Albert, uh, two, uh, really two sides of the coin here with the Chargers and the Jaguars. Cap and I talked about the four interceptions for Trevor Lawrence in the offense, and then they come back to win the game. But the other side of it is it's just the Chargers inexplicably just not running the football in the second half with a, with a substantial lead. What would you think of both sides yeah. of that storyline in that game? Well, there's certainly some game management questions. That's fair. I mean, I... I think this has come up with Brandon Staley, and it's easy to be connected to the fact that, you know, it was, what, three years ago that he was a position coach, you know? So I think Brandon's really smart and, like, has a lot of potential as a head coach. But now I think you see some of the things where it's like experience is a great teacher. You know, and even as a coordinator, you're involved in game management stuff that you aren't involved in as a position coach. And so a lot of times these guys vault from spot to spot to spot and, you know, we're like, oh, well, it's, it's good to hire a guy a year too early than a year too late. And I think you sort of discount what years of experience do just as far as building up like a memory bank of how to handle certain situations. So, you know, definitely on the Chargers side, I think you look at it and you say, did you hand them a couple extra possessions because you weren't letting the clock run in the third and fourth quarter? Um, I think it's a very, very fair criticism. What was the second part of your question again, Hoodie? Sorry, I'm all long-winded no, there. No, I mean, it's, it's what we, I think you late nailed it. We were talking about the Jaguars and the and the Chargers, the Jaguars side of it. Four interceptions, but they found a way yeah. to come back and win that game. Well, and you know what, Hoodie? Here's the thing. I can remember talking to Jordan Palmer about this, and he's worked with Trevor Lawrence, I think, since he was 16 years old. And he said to me, this is another, like, this is the flip side of the experience coin, right? Where, you know... Like he, Jordan would keep saying to me, he's like, Trevor Lawrence has been like under a, a searing spotlight. And uh, by the way, he, he grouped Justin Fields into this too. He said the two of them have been under a searing spotlight since they were 16 years old. You know, and expectations have been on them since they were 16 years old. And they were expected to be perfect from the time they were 16 years old. And then they go to big schools, and right away the expectations are they're going to be superstars, and they're going to carry programs that have been winning and like now they're playing in championship settings on that level. And it's just all of that experience that Trevor Lawrence has. Like, I don't think there are very many quarterbacks with 23 years old could throw four, four, four interceptions in the first half of their first playoff game and not just completely crumble. And 
I think it was such an, an I, like to me, it's like such an endorsement of who the guy, who the kid is, and why if you're Jacksonville, you have a right to feel so good about who he is and who he could be as a quarterback. Like, I was so impressed, and it's again a little thing because if we're gonna if we're gonna sit here and play Madden and say like, well, yeah, like you know, you know, you can just compartmentalize that. It's not the way it works. You know what I mean? Like, these are real people out there, and you know, like for a guy to maintain his confidence after throwing four picks in the first half and to come back the way that he did, one of the greatest comebacks, you know, in the playoffs in NFL history, I think says so much about who the kid is. Um, and not not even just about where where he is, but, but but really where he's going from here. So let's talk about the Bears because C.J. Stroud announced yesterday that despite some massive NIL offer that was reported out there, nope, $35 million guaranteed if I'm a top five picks, too much to say no to, I'm going pro. If I give yeah. you the choice to drop onto the Bears, Justin Fields or C.J. Stroud, which one would you take and... What do you think the Bears can realistically do if they decide to trade down? Because if I'm Houston, I'm like, I'm not giving you all that you want because I'll take the second guy. Yeah, um, I guess you're coming to me, coming to me as the expert because I saw them play so much in college. Right. Uh, I would take Justin. Um, and the reason why, I, like, I think CJ's got a chance to be a really good quarterback. You know, I think CJ's coming out a far more refined passer than Justin was. Um, I think he's more developed as a pocket quarterback than, than Justin was because he had to be, you know, because he really didn't have the 4-4 speed he could lean back on. And Justin didn't lean on it that much in college. Um, you know, we also saw CJ, CJ switch receivers. I just know this. Justin Fields is a war daddy. And I saw him in so many situations where things weren't quite right, where he was hurt or where things had kind of fallen apart around him. I've seen him fight through so much stuff. Like I, I just think when you when you look at what's inside of a person, I just think Justin Fields has it, and I think that's such a big part of being a quarterback. So I would take Justin Fields, and maybe I'm going to look like an idiot five years from now because again, CJ's a more refined passer. But I just like Fields for who he is as a guy, and like what he brings from an intangible standpoint, and how hard he works, and all that different stuff. Um, as for what the what the Bears can get for that first overall pick, I think CJ declaring might actually hurt the value of the pick a little bit, just in that I think Bryce Young would have had probably a sizable edge over Will Levis and Anthony Richardson, and where it might have been like, well, there's this gap if you're a team looking at quarterbacks, and we just got to we we got to find a way to get Bryce Young. I think CJ may have the ability to kind of get into, I don't think he'll catch Bryce Young as the number one quarterback, but I think he has the ability to get in striking distance where there could be some teams down at four, five, six who say, you know, we don't need to go all the way up to number one. Um, that said, you know, all it takes is one to fall head over heels in love with Bryce Young um, for you to go and get a, a boatload of picks. So, you know, I think multiple first-round picks and, and then some, um, I think, is the price for that number one overall pick. And based on recent history, you know, the Niners um, trading up for Trey Lance, uh, Washington trading up for, for, for Robert Griffin all those years ago. Um, you know, even like, you know, you look at the Browns trading up for – or the uh, Rams trading up with the 
with uh, with the Titans for uh, for for Jared Goff, uh, yeah. Eagles trading up with the Browns for Carson Wentz, like you're going to be able to get a big price for it, I think, when we get closer to the end of April. Albert, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks for coming on the show. All right, thanks, guys. Have a great have one. a great day. It is Albert Breer from Money Morning Quarterback and SI dot com with us here on Cap and J Hood. Interesting stuff there. He's got a unique perspective as an Ohio State guy. All right, we'll continue to react to Wild Card Weekend and also your thoughts about the Bears coming up at 9 o'clock. Don't forget, Kevin Warren, the president of the Chicago Bears, is going to be on with Carmen and Yurko between 12 and 2. So make sure you catch the president. He'll have his press conference today. And also, Warren will be on with Carmen and Yurko right here on Chicago's Home for Sports. Swept by the Pirates. We can only ask or wonder that he is asking some departed relative for forgiveness for this atrocious performance. Falling in an outhouse? Or maybe a dose of instant karma. The evidence would lead me to believe that he did not break the plane before getting rid of the ball. And who knows what's going on inside that helmet. It's time to find out who had the worst weekend on Cap'n J Hood. The Vikings lost to the Giants. Also, the Dallas Cowboys beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last night 31-14. The Texans completed the interview process with Sean Payton. And Tom Brady says the future will be one day at a time. As we talk to you here on Cap'n J Hood, time for Worst Weekends. Here's Shay Norling. Shay? Yeah, I want to get started with somebody I usually don't put in worst weekends because he's become a bit of a loser. But uh, Kanye West belongs here this week because, well, his lawyers can't get in touch with him. He apparently deactivated his phone that the lawyers had the number to so that they couldn't reach him and then was off doing this weird marriage thing all weekend. But because his legal team couldn't contact him, they're now looking at uh, getting full-page ads in two L.A. newspapers to tell him that they are no longer representing him. I I love the idea. (laughs) That's such a cap thing to do, too. I'm going to put it on the broadsheet. Big newspaper. Like, you think Kanye's going to read that? You think he's going to be there? You know, like some breakfast nook. Like, I wonder what's in the paper today. Yeet! What's in the paper today? My lawyers left me. You think he's got the broadsheet like the Tribune? Oh, they probably have to do, like, give him notice that they are <laughs> leaving him as their his counsel. Yeah. And so if they can't get him on the phone hmm. and they don't know where he is to have a certified letter delivered, They'll take a public ad out. We took a public ad out. We're gone. That's exactly right. This and publishing mm. the order from the judge allows them to withdraw from representing Kanye. Right. You can't just withdraw and go, I'm done. Did you see the obituaries today? Eat. I, I, and then all of a sudden he looks at his book. My lawyer, they've withdrawn. <laughs> hey, man, they can't be doing that. And don't be calling Kanye a loser. Johnny the B-Man knows him well. He's got his number. Just be careful. Yeah, that number doesn't work anymore. Jo- Johnny has his number. He's got his. Uh, he's got the ghost number, don't you? Yeah, yeah. I just talked to him. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, so just, so just be careful. Listen, man. I just, I, I just wish it was two thousand four again, and I didn't know all oh. that I know about Kanye now. Boy, that's right all. That. That's what I wish, brother. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. The old Kanye, college dropout. Oh, I mean, I wish. I wish. Right. My nephew went to see him in concert, brother, and. Said one of the great things he ever did. Loved it. Just genius. Genius as far as the way, what he does with words, but just the rest of it, man. Just a mess. Once again, it just shows you dealing with the Kardashians. 
This is what happens. You so, lose your mind. So my brother Bruce, who you know, yep, had a chance to go see Frank Sinatra. Yeah, and he's like, I got a test tomorrow, and he didn't go. Still regrets it to this day. That's crazy. And so his son, my nephew Tyler, had an exam in med school, mm-hmm. and Tyler was a great student. He says to my dad or my brother, uh, yeah, I got a, tickets to go see Kanye, but I'm giving them to a friend because I got to study. I got this test, and my brother said. Take it from someone who regrets it to this day. You're already prepared for that test. Go to the concert. Absolutely. And he did. Absolutely. Yes. Because you don't know what tomorrow brings. So if you can go, go. He said, if that's on your bucket list, don't miss the opportunity. Whatever the thing is, you'll, you'll figure it out. I love the idea that it's in the newspaper. I love that. All right. What's next? All right, so the city of Boston uh, over the weekend debuted a statue uh, dedicated to Martin Luther King and Coretta Scott King called The Embrace. It recreates a famous photo of the two of them hugging, but it removes their body. So it's just their arms and hands, and it's drawn some criticism because if you look at it from virtually any angle, it kind of resembles a penis. It's not good. That's how you, that's how you honor Dr. King there, Boston? Yeah. Yeah. Sully and Johnny? Is that not, how you do it? It's not good. Holy cow. Have you seen this thing, Cap? I did. Not good. I mean, you just can't just find, just like everything else you see in a lot of different cities in this country, just like a, a picture of Dr. King, use that as a, put that as a statue. Right. Can't do that. Like, they put his famous quote, free at last, free at last. They yeah. had that lit up here in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And I thought, that's really cool. And then I saw this speech, I mean, this uh, statue, and I'm like, really? That you actually looked at the renderings before you start putting it together and go, that's awesome. I don't blame the city of Boston or the state of Massachusetts, but um, I just think that that's really unfortunate, especially in that city, for that that to happen. Just do it right. Don't don't half-ass it. Do it the right way. It's Dr. King, for God's sakes. Agreed. Shay. All right, so I have to bring up Brett Maher, who last night, the kicker for the uh, Dallas Cowboys. Dallas uh, scored 31 points. Dak Prescott had five touchdowns. Five touchdowns, 31 points doesn't quite add up. It does when you miss four straight extra points. I think the total was 45 and a half. Shay. But he's still a little hurt about that one. No, he's sore. He's sore about it. <laughs> and I just, it's just, no, I would not replace him, but definitely I'd make, him, make it very uh, difficult on him if I'm the coaching staff. Bring someone in. All I know is that the leader of the team, Dak Prescott, who do use it to say anything, he was demonstrative on the sidelines. Like, let's just go for effing two. <laughs> if he can't make these extra points. So the Dallas, Dallas Morning News reached out to Jerry. The G, he's the GM. Yes. And he said, Brett Maher will be our kicker on Sunday. Well, I get it. I get it. But, I mean, that's, I mean, thank goodness that Dallas had everything going offensively that you didn't need those kicks at the end. Could you imagine that guy oh, with the game on the line? Oh, boy. No. By the way, is it fair? Am I wrong? San Francisco's got two extra days to heal up. Sure. This is the playoffs, man. This is not like... You play on Thanksgiving, and then you had you played the Sunday before that. This is the playoffs. Playoffs? This is why people look at San Francisco and says, you know what? They may have a leg up on a lot of teams. Just 
personnel-wise, third quarterback, Purdy is in there like he looks like a five- or ten-year veteran. It's interesting. It's a great story. Great story. Giants, okay. Next one. All right, the final worst weekend candidate, Al Michaels and Tony Dungy. Al Michaels had to respond to the New York Post's Andrew Martian via text because uh, people on the Internet were criticizing the energy level during their broadcast of Chargers and Jags. Uh, Michaels called the Internet criticism, quote, Internet compost. But, Hoodie, I don't know, if you watched the game, Al and Tony sounded like they were in a medically induced coma during one of the biggest comebacks in NFL history. I think we just have um, announcers a little bit more energized, like a Kevin Burkhardt or uh, a Mike Tirico. Al's been doing it for a long time, and yes, he should be jacked up for the game. I'm watching that game in a hotel room in Murray, Kentucky, over the weekend. I was first of all, I was surprised to see Dungy pop up there, but that's a booth they put together. Al is a classic announcer. He doesn't have to be too high or too low. My issue is not that game as much as it is his performance on Amazon. You cannot complain about the game that you're calling. Sorry, it's Amazon. You're going to get the worst games. You just you just are. Yep. You're you're newt. ESPN had to go through it. You know, NBC's had to go through it. You have the worst games. You can't bitch about it. You're getting paid handsomely, handsomely to be fifteen million the, 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 a year. The show up up there every Thursday. Call what you got to call, but bitching about it, saying I feel like I'm on the fourth or fifth crew with Fox, like whatever. That's that commentary is nonsense. Let me say that on the UIC broadcast. Out, out. Done. But you say that. Correct. Let you sit there today and be like, you know, Andy, this game's lousy. Lousy game. I can't believe we didn't get the Bradley, Illinois State. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine? Right. So just, man, it's it's a blessing to be in one of these booths. It's a blessing to do it. We're literally going to get off doing our morning show, get in the car, drive to Valpo, and call a basketball game. That's pretty good. Yeah, Absolutely. So, so yes, add them to Worst Weekends, absolutely. So we want you to vote at ESPN 1000 on Twitter, and then you choose which one had the worst weekend. Good to see Dungy there. It's like a studio guy in, in the booth. Uh, it's interesting. Yeah, he was. I thought he brought Al down. Tony's great in the studio, great on a, like a Waddle and Sylvie interview. He's got great insight as an analyst in the booth. No. Now, I, Shay and I have a complete disagreement. I'm a huge Romo guy. I love Romo. Shay does not. Yeah, we'll talk about that uh, whole thing with Tony Romo. Um, not as dynamic as when he first got into the booth, and we'll probably explain that coming up along with the Cap and J-Hood cut of the day on Chicago's Home for Sports.